years come and go and I'm forever grateful Come and tell me long and slow exactly what I wait for Better times, yeah, better times, somehow I don't believe it I built a house up long ago just to up and leave it Welcome to On The Wing Podcast. The, the tune you just heard, I don't know if you guys know this, we just debuted brand new opening song for On The Wing Podcast called On The Highway by our mutual buddy, Dave Simonette and Trampled by Turtles, uh, opens On The Wing Podcast. This is episode two with... with oh, no uh, kidding. Yeah, he, he very graciously said, what song do you want to use to open the podcast? I'm like... Well, I'll go back and listen to them all and picked On the Highway off the new album, Alpenglow. Oh, yeah. And there we go. We got uh, Trampled by Turtles leading us in to our uh, On the Wing podcast, Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic 2023 recap episode, minus Dave Simonette, who's traveling from Milwaukee right now. So, you know, I don't like talking about people on the podcast when they're not here but he you know we all love the guy he's oh, I can't. authentic he makes all these other folks look uh poor because trampled by turtles and and dave are so generous in the name of conservation right yeah. like it, artists aren't in the business of giving away songs <laughs> you know i mean that's <laughs> so that right absolutely free it's like bob whatever song you want to pick that's unreal. Look at our catalog and pick a song that you think will be good as the intro. And uh, I'll connect you with the management. we got to sign a deal, but it's going to be free. Wow. Unbelievable. And, uh, you know, it, obviously we've done the uh, Trampled by Pheasants membership offer, Trampled by Quail membership offer. Um, Dave and the Trampled by Turtles entire band has never asked for a single penny for anything we've done collaborating with him. He is genuinely cares about conservation, the outdoors, and, you know, this is part of who he is. It, it, as I mentioned, he's as authentic a person as they come in. Again, I don't like, I hate talking about people when they're not here, right? But there's yeah. nothing bad to say about the guy. You well, know? if people he's listen wonderful. to the intro, yeah, it is, he is here. He is here. Yeah, that's, there yeah, you that's go. right. Yeah. It's his words. And it, uh, the other thing, and we'll, we'll move on from talking about Dave, but if you listen to the new album, Alpenglow, um, you can start to hear some of his hunting journeys in his lyrics now. There's a, uh, a song, We're All Right, and there's a line in that song, uh, Rooster Pheasant with Razor Wings in the lyrics nice. now. And oh, yeah. I was driving to KFAN to do a radio show on Saturday morning at uh, – 4.35 a.m. So that was Saturday morning. I bought the album. It arrived in Amazon like Friday afternoon. I hadn't listened to it yet. So I popped that CD in. Yes, I still listen to CDs. Uh, <laughs> 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 popped it into my truck. I'm driving to the radio station. That song came out. I heard it. Uh, rooster pheasant with razor wings i almost swerved off the highway i'm like holy cow he's writing about bird hunting this That's is great. the greatest thing in sliced bread i was so so pleased but uh all right, well without further ado i might as well introduce <laughs> you guys right voices you hear um from from meat eater uh first light ryan callahan doug duran from uh 
well, you got all kinds of titles. Sharing the land, we'll yeah. go with that Chief one. Chief cook and bottle washer of, you know, various things or, uh, you know, master of none kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Matt Morlock. Uh, what, what's our new title? The Pheasant Czar? The Pheasant Czar. Is that, is that what I've heard? I think I graciously. said Habitat Czar. No, it was Pheasant Czar. <laughs> I heard it loud and clear. <laughs> and I walked around saying, That's right. I'm the Czar. What, is there a negative connotation to Czar? I suppose there's right good now, czars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that. I I'll take like, oh. it. It's fine. Yeah, I was trying to judge your <laughs> judge your reaction. Some people would probably say it is negative. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, first farm bill biologist. Yep. For pheasants forever. Mm. Yep. Back and, in 2003. Um, we keep going back. It's like habitat, habitat, habitat. Right on. Is the reason for all things good and the re- reason for all things bad? Lack of right. right. So. Um, yeah, very jealous of, of Matt's position in a lot of ways because um, he's been able to really f- focus for so long on projects that actually put a lot of animals back on the ground. I mean, I, pheasants pheasants are great for sure, and they're they're a, a species that people can rally behind, but. Your guys, Pheasants Forever, Quail Forever, it's a habitat organization, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's that's the cornerstone of everything. Web of life, baby. And it right. doesn't just do good things for pheasants. Right. You know, or just do good things for quail. And, um, yeah, man, I got – Matt had this, like, horrible hunt with me because – or I with him because he got it, like, actually – he finally did uh, a bunch of rehab stuff on some family ground, and it, we got to, like, go out and see the fruits of the labor firsthand during the opening week of pheasant season. And uh, Matt's dog had died previous to that. Mm. And so I don't know this story. He wow. didn't know that. Yeah, I haven't talked to you since. No. Then. He was – I mean, it was – for me, I'm, I'm sure, you know, some of the crew didn't pick up on it, but for me it was just – Every, like, you know, we're walking lines, mm-hmm. and Matt's calling the show. He's like, this is how this piece works, and this is what I have over here, and this is what it was, and this is what it is now. And it should be, you know, I haven't hunted it because we were saving it for this. Yep. And it should be this, and I hope it is. And mm-hmm. and then he'd be like, okay, well, I, I don't have a dog, so I'll go walk over here. Mm. Yeah. And it was just heartbreaking. <laughs> you said, I'm just like, I'm just like moping along. Oh, oh. poor me. Yeah. I'd hey, like, Snort, come over here. I got a snack. Come with me. <laughs> Every time. He'd be like, well, I don't have a dog, so I guess I'll go do this. I'll go, I'll go down to the end, oh. and I'll wait for you to get here. But it was fun. I was sending Luke the wrong direction all the time. and. So, so to to turn the mood around just for a moment. Yes, please. I'm a little sad over <laughs> here. Right well, now. I hijacked the conversation. That's that's totally fine. It, well, so, well, um, to complete your title, you yeah. aren't actually the pheasants are. No, I am now. I'm, oh. getting, I'm getting cards made right now. <laughs> They're in print right now. Well, the current card, anyways, says yes. state coordinator for South Dakota and North Dakota. So, Correct. like, you know, that does make sense to be the pheasants are the two Dakotas, right? Right. right. Um, but. Let's let's go back to turning the mood around. I don't know if these guys have heard the story of your previous bird dog <laughs> in the dog's name in our trip together. So why don't you tell that story? So I'll back up a long ways here. And 
I was guiding at the time at a, a hunting lodge while I was on the side at PF because back then we didn't pay the greatest, so I had to have a side job. So I was yeah, like, we're all getting rich now. <laughs> we are. We're breaking <laughs> it in now, printing money. <laughs> so I probably do need that side job still. But I was guiding uh, at a, a big, fancy hunting lodge in mm-hmm. South Dakota just because I had a golden retriever at the time named Puck that he just needed birds in front of him, and it was – I mean, that dog would have days where he'd pick up 100 birds from doing this lodge hunting stuff. So it was great for him. Um, The owner, though, he was a well-to-do individual, and he was into English setters. And he's like, you need to get one of these. And I'm like, yeah, they're fun dogs. I'll get one. Um, But it needs this regal name (laughs) because it's the king's dog. And me being me, you guys know me. I'm like, well, I think I'm going to name it Bob. <laughs> and that seems regal enough. Yeah. Right. So I named him Bob. Well, And the lodge owner was like, is that an acronym for <laughs> he something was, grand? No, he, he thought I was, like, out of my mind. And he lectured me for months, like, you got to get a different name on this dog. And I'm like, no, it's Bob. And he, he lived up to his name. He was just kind of, he's Bob. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> no, I'm just, yeah, I got to keep yeah, turning that night. Right, right. No, but he, uh, so I had Bob. And it was a couple falls later you came out for some. I think for, like, the we took a me- Oh, it was Rooster Road. I think it was Rooster So we were trip. hunting public land. Yep. Uh, James River Crap. Yep. And I was walking next to you with yep. Bob. With Bob. And unlike Bob St. Pierre, Bob didn't like to listen. <laughs> and so this was Bob, get back, Bob, bleep, 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 Bob. And also I'd look over, you know and here's Bob standing five feet from me, like, what? And I'm like, not you, Bob. <laughs> so then Bob goes back away. Then Bob the dog, still doing his thing. He's a half mile away or something like that. I'm just yelling. I'm going to look over. Here's Bob standing here again. Like, Bob, if he Bob St. Pierre. Bob, Bob St. Pierre. Bob <laughs> yes, Bob Human was standing right next to me again. I'm like, if there's an expletive tied to the dog's name, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> just go over there. <laughs> Bob, get over here. I'm sorry. Am I in the yeah. wrong place? And you guys know Bob. He's like apologizing. I'm like, no, you're doing what you need to do. It's my dog. You ever hunted oh. with uh, somebody that named their dog your same name? It's, no. It's very confusing. It yes, is. I bet it was. It was. I, I, I was not thinking of Bob St. Pierre when I named that dog. I picked up on it eventually when there yeah. was the F-bomb next to it. I was like, okay. Not me. Not me. I'm, I'm good. good. I'm good. I'm, I'm golden. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, three days, Pheasant Fest. We're recording as we, uh, we close out the show. So part of what I want to talk to you guys about, you guys get all over the darn country seeing stuff like this. So I want to talk a little bit about what you've experienced on the show floor, what was interesting to you, and maybe what you learned. We'll get there. I'm, I'm mostly curious, and we'll we start with Matt. What was your best hunting trip of the year? And don't, don't start with me. I, I didn't have a good fall. So. Okay. Okay. Well, I know Cal is unlimited trips here. Uh, <laughs> bonus points for birds. And I know you guys hunted together a little bit. Yep. Um, you know, now it's un- unbelievable how often on the show floor today I got asked, so what's your next trip? I'm like, I was just trying to make it through this event. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. February. I haven't even started planning next year. Have you started planning next year already, Kel? Well, it is next year. Well, it's 2023, <laughs> yeah. but it's not really. Like, next season just ended. I mean, I was just in Arizona hunting quail. Is your calendar already filling up for next fall? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Well, because I'm trying. My goal is to get the the work stuff on there as fast as possible 
so the evolution of, of trying to be an adult, right? Um, How's so that can, working out? It's hard. Yeah. It's very hard. <laughs> it's very hard. It's constantly more responsibility. So I, I try to, like, solidify those dates so I can quit being such a jerk to my friends, mm. right? Because, I mean, forever I have made plans and broken plans, made plans and broken plans. Mm. And so, like, trying to get some firm, this time is mine. And I'm not gonna yeah. change it. Stuff is is still hard, but I'm making headway in that department. So, um, the the stupid Google Calendar is very important. Which you know, I committed to Pheasant Fest in October. Yeah, right. Well, almost, like, we did a podcast together at the last day last year, and you're like, "Yeah, I'll come back." And I've witnessed your calendar. Like, just we went to the Boundary Waters together. We talked about going to Arizona together. I mean, you were pulled every direction every which way yeah yeah and then i have a a very soft spot for uh conservation groups right so i really really try to make uh these events happen and and it's clear i mean you you really commit to conservation groups and you know on behalf of at least one of them thank you it makes a difference i appreciate it the energy that you bring to the show floor i mean you guys have witnessed it you know the the enthusiasm to meet Ryan Callahan is honestly palpable on the on the floor. People are Snort's dad is has a, has a big <laughs> presence. <laughs> Snort, so Snort's ears were much. burning. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. But you know, as you know, um, you can't please everybody yeah. all the time. And and you know, Montana's legislative session isn't is happening right now too. Yeah. And um, you know, I want to I want to be there to. Prevent marijuana monies from being diverted away from habitat. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's a huge one. And, and, uh, conservation easements are very much in the crosshairs of, uh, some of our senators. Um, and you know, I've, I've talked with these people Mm -hmm. and it's not, they're not bad people Mm -hmm. at all. It's just that their intentions are, have repercussions that they're not really planning for. Right. Um, and and God Almighty, how lucky to be in that position, right? It's mm-hmm. like not nefarious, evil people, um, all just cattle ranchers trying to make a living, and right. and they had a bad experience along the way, and it cascades down to here, and and um, it's it, it's important work that needs to be done, and trying to make time for that is 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 tough. So yeah, yes. So I asked you like 16 questions in that entire string. Go back to the first one. What was your favorite hunt of 2022? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Favorite hunt of 2022. So I had this amazing like two-week, two-and-a-half-week hunt, really, where I I started um, pheasant opener. uh, In Montana? In Montana, and I started with – my very good friend Garrett Smith and he and I he is a professional camera operator cinematographer and and goes all over the world and he had a shoot cancel because of covid so he got him he called me you know 2 days before yeah. I left and he said hey I can I I can come out and I said well great meet me here cuz we're coming from two different parts of the state and um almost run out of gas getting into town or way late 
and I, I called Dirt, as he's known, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, hey, buddy, you're going to beat me there. I'm towing a camper trailer. Um, can you just look on, on X, and, and we're trying to find something that looks like riparian hmm. next to the antelope zone, because I had an antelope tag, too. And ideally, we're going to be like in some place where it's not too far to get to where we might find pheasants, and it's not too far to where we can go to the antelope thing. And, and he's like, okay. And so by the time I go in on fumes to town where he's at, he's like, okay, I got a couple of pins. And I'm like, well, let's just go to the first one. Hmm. And he's like, okay. And so we fuel up. He leads leads the charge. I fuel up all the fuel canisters I have at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, we're setting up at 10 o'clock at night. And we finally, like, get things detached, get our bed situation, start working on dinner. And uh, got a couple of camp chairs out. And it's, like, the odd eastern Montana zero wind evening. Mm. And I can see Snort's head just... <laughs> pick up and I'm looking at her and she's just like full attention and I turn the the burner off on the propane stove and you can just hear roosters <laughs> cackling down there oh, nice. uh-huh. and I was like well because we'd done some scheming and planning mm-hmm. on the drive in the limited cell phone service and, and while we were setting up and I was like well I was like man maybe let's just start here in the morning <laughs> And I'm like, it didn't look, you know, it's like beat up cattle country. Yeah. And there's all the, your more traditional pheasant places, um, on our map as well. And, and, oh my God, we just had so much fun. Mm. Yeah. And it was just so random that that was, that was just amazing. Amazing. You wonder how many people, they'd even hear those roosters, but they're like, we got to go somewhere else. Yeah. Like, you never hunt yeah. in your own backyard. You go, you drive somewhere, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, but you always got to like ground yourself in like there are roosters cackling right here. There's no need to jump in the car again. I right? like they're there. We know they're there. It's and tomorrow's opening day. Yeah. You know, and it was like, like wide chill uh, out. Yeah, look a good thing in in the face and turn the other direction and uh it was Garrett grew up in Mile City, Montana. He's a Mile City cowboy. And um, had never been on, like, an actual pheasant hunt, hmm. which is bizarre. Um, and he is a f- just, a, just a, a specimen of a human being in yes, many ways. But he can laugh, carry a conversation, have a great time in miserable conditions with a pack that would choke a mule – and he runs like a bird dog, taking pictures and, and running a camera. Backwards. He walks yeah. backwards, hikes backwards all the uh, time. Yeah. And it's it's unbelievable. And by our second day of pheasant hunting, he was like, I got I to gotta take a break. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like no big pack on, uh-huh. no big ups and downs. We were covering, covering quite a bit of ground, but um, he's like, yeah. He's like, I, I think it's, I'm just so on edge huh. the whole time, right? <laughs> and I, and he, he had a hen bust out underneath him, and he kind of went, 
oh. yeah. one time and i'm like i i gotta tell people about that <laughs> <laughs> you know and, and uh, uh so that was super cool so you know it was the the yeah. longtime friend plus a first timer yeah and the randomness of all of a sudden having success in a brand new spot that you know, was just kind of like ours for for that day. Was was super cool. And, <laughs> that is awesome. And um, and then yeah, that led right into South Dakota with Matt. So it was pretty spoiled couple of weeks. Doug, did you get the invite to South Dakota this year? <laughs> yes, actually, I did. Oh, yeah. you did. You, you did. didn't go. Well, uh, well yeah. Go ahead. So we had uh, uh, Matt and I have a. A new mutual, for well, he's been an old friend of mine, but a mutual uh, friend now. His name is Eric Tesmer, and he's a guitar player. We talked about this last year, right? Yeah. Yep. And uh, so Matt's got these cool uh, uh, old international trucks and, and uh, scouts and that kind of stuff, and Eric's all excited about them. Yeah, with trees growing up through them. Well, a couple yeah, of them. Yeah. A couple of them. Uh, if you have seen the stuff that Eric has rescued – Trees growing up through. <laughs> if they don't have a tree growing up through them, he's like, ah, that one can stay there yeah. for a while yet. Um, and so uh, there's been this ongoing exchange about all these, you know, trucks and, and tra- well, there's a tractor there too. Anyway, yeah. um, and so we were planning a uh, hunt in early January, I guess. Huh? Yeah, yeah. And, um, or mid-January, and, some, and, and Eric was going to come and, you know, with this whole plan and, setting it up and we've got a group of people that's going to come together for it and the day gets closer and yeah i was going to drive and man i just had stuff piled up yeah. and we're going to be leaving pretty soon and i just don't know whether i can go or not and i'm watching the weather and the weather out there is oh, just yeah. miserable we're snow piling about that storm yep. yeah that yep. huge storm and so the bomb um, cyclone storm right? yeah there's like two of them in a row yeah okay so i uh uh email the group and say, um, I'll, I'll do it still if everybody's in, but I got to tell you, I've got a bunch of stuff piled up, and and I I don't, it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And Matt Matt's response was, Oh, I feel so much better because I was just about to tell you all that you can't come because the snow has been just decimating mm-hmm. the, the flock, mm-hmm. and uh, actually worked out really well. So that I was really excited about that. But we have this weekend put a hunt on the schedule for early november early november yep good good pre-thanksgiving yeah, yeah. so good. that was the the hunt for me that was foiled um unlike ryan who uh, who was spoiled who is spoiled <laughs> and gets the, see what you did there i get yeah. the opportunity to hunt all over the place i mean i, I get the opportunity sure. to i just don't i don't take uh, much advantage of it um and it's one of these things that people are somewhat surprised to find out but 99 percent of the hunting that i do is on 600 acres in the driftless area mm-hmm. um and uh so this past year i didn't really hunt anywhere other than on my property and one of my buddy's properties but i did have a really nice i don't get the extra points for being upland <laughs> but uh i had a great uh turkey hunt with an old and dear friend of mine trout fishing in america stan and uh we doubled up on uh Tom's up in this this one little corner, and I guess I can get some upland points. <laughs> and that is, uh, we we used to have uh, rough grouse, and mm-hmm. uh, I've been bemoaning the fact that we don't have them. And I've been talking with the rough grouse society guys here a whole bunch about, mm-hmm. th- and they're saying, well, we really want to do a, a project in the driftless. And I raised my hand, I'm your guy, yeah, because I've got 
pretty big chunk chunk of timber for our area and um uh so i'm excited about that but then walking up through the valley um of the farm for another reason in the time of the season when I should have had shotgun in my hands mm-hmm. um, when the woodcock were going through uh, they were oh, jumping and yeah. I was standing there going how come I don't have a shotgun along with me because I was back there I had some cattle out and I'm mm-hmm. walking back thinking oh geez I'll get back there and and then the plan was to get back up over there and and uh, and hunt them and and, and didn't so Anyway, well, there's no downside to that. You know, I asked the question, you, the expectation, sort of like all these exotic places you've been, but it's pretty special to hunt your own place through the entirety of the season. And you think about watching it from hunting morel mushrooms mm-hmm. to spring turkeys, right? To watching the fiddleheads pop up, yep. right? Fishing the trout stream, right? Chasing early season doodles, yep. right? And, and deer. <laughs> You know, to Small be able game, to watch yeah. that like, in the spirit of all the Leopold, right? It, it really is the case. And in your backyard. Yep. yep. Yeah, That's really in the backyard. And it's I've I've uh, I feel very, very fortunate to have this property that's been in my family for such a long period mm-hmm. of time and and over the course of what's gotta be a fairly long lifetime. Um, really been hunting, you mm-hmm. know, for over fifty years. Um, and the things that have changed and boy, I've mm-hmm. I've just like I've learned a lot about habitat just by watching it change over time and how we really can improve habitat through the through our management practices. Well, that's perfect transition to the next question. I'm just setting to, you up, Bob. Man. I, I wanted to ask, <laughs> it, you know, that it, it, maybe it's um, contrived, but what what does have you nervous? What causes you trepidation when you think about habitat conservation as we start 2023? And the flip side of that, what do you feel like, you know, maybe it's some something you saw witness on the show floor or you see in social like what's got you energized? So give me the ups and downs from your point of view, a quick twitch when you think about habitat conservation in our future. One of the most difficult things that I've been dealing with on our property are, are invasive species. Mm. Um, and a lot of those invasive species have wildlife benefit, but they get uh, out of control, and or and and or they were introduced, and I don't know why I'm pointing at Matt. Like he came into my place <laughs> yeah. and planted multiflora rose. Um, I did <laughs> in the middle of the night with a black helicopter. But it, yeah, and, but it is interesting, you know, uh, multiflora rose, autumn olive, hmm. um, two uh, species that were introduced to our area f- with good intentions. Mm-hmm. And I've lived my life; I've never lived had any regrets in my life at all. Um, I just always say. Seemed like a good idea at the time, and I think that's the case with multiflora rose and, and autumn olive. And they are really are good um, uh, cover and food species for, you know, various wildlife. But they just they don't behave well. So mm. then we have to manage those. Those aren't the ones that bother me as much as because I've learned to 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 deal with them. But we're dealing with um, we're also dealing with garlic mustard. We have emerald ash borer, which is buckthorn. What buckthorn? Um, Japanese barberry, all of those things. And, you know, it's like I could give you a whole litany mm-hmm. in a cl- in, in, and I do actually give people classes on invasive species. Um, I'm concerned about I'm concerned about those things. Um, but there's an opportunity in that in the work that I'm doing with 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 the folks that access my property and access other properties is teaching them about invasive species and how and what's good about some of them and the and then the kind of things that we can do to control them mm-hmm. um, and that's that's pretty exciting another thing that I'm really excited about as I, I already mentioned once but 
um, started hanging out with the, the folks from the Rough Grouse Society. And mm -hmm. when I was a kid, we had rough grouse on our place. Mm -hmm. The Driftless area was pretty well known for its grouse. Um, Driftless all across, right? Iowa. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The, yep. The, the belt buckle of the Midwest, mm -hmm. as it was once described. Um, and we, w when I was a kid, everybody had a 22 uh, over uh, Stevens 22 on the top and a 410 <laughs> yeah. or 20 gauge on the bottom. And, you know, you walk yeah. through the woods with it on the shotgun. Uh -huh. And when a squirrel ran up a tree, you switched it to the 22 uh -huh. and shot the 22. And um, they've just disappeared. Um, I happened to grow up during that period of time when cows got, were taken out of the woods. And then so you had that undergrowth coming up. And now we've advanced to the period of time where the, the trees are bigger and, mm -hmm. and people aren't harvesting quite in the same, in the same way. Turkeys love it. White-tailed deer love it. White-tailed deer love it. And, you know, white-tailed deer really don't need a whole lot of help from us. But, mm -hmm. um, but um, the grouse don't. Mm -hmm. And when I was a kid, we didn't have uh, wild turkeys. So we have them now. But then talking with uh, uh, Ben and, and some of the other folks from Rough Grouse Society, they want to do a project in the, in the Driftless, and my hand went up. And I said, I'm your, I'm your guy. That's great. Yeah. So I'm real excited about that. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any, any idea of what that is? Are you going to, like, try to cut a block of timber? Or? Well, some of, that pra some of those things I have been doing, we, we had um, – We've been doing pretty in extensive and intensive uh, forest management on our place. But you do more like selective harvest, right, versus like clear um, cut. Clear. Yeah, so yeah. what we what we have done is a couple of clear cuts of aspen uh, clones, and we're going to do more of that. The, the challenge for us is there's no value in it, right? So how do you get this management done with without um, you know and, and paying for it versus well at least breaking even because you're taking pulp out or something right. like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, part of our commitment on our property is to do more of that kind of stuff. We have um, some areas where, well, where the ash are that are, they're, they're dying off. And so, you know, let's, uh, let's work with that a little bit. So we're going to identify some more areas and do more of that, um, you know, patch clear cut that's, gonna, that's going to uh, benefit the grouse. Tip over all those aspens, let them sit. And uh, charge folks to come in to mushroom pick in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's been what actually the mushrooms have been a really big success for us. Mm -hmm. We were talking about um, mm -hmm. Dave earlier and uh, him coming out last spring and, and uh, I took him morel hunting. And the only darn morels we found this year on the farm were the day that, that he came out and we took a little drive around and then we hiked this ridge. And I was like, hey, let's check over those a handful of dead elm trees which we just don't have that many mm -hmm. of anymore um and, and he found those but uh we have like a half a dozen different edible mushrooms that mm -hmm. are growing in our area that i've only become at, at age 64 that i've really only become to learn about in the last two or three years oh. super interesting and that's that's one of the cool things about knowing more about my property you, you joke about charging to go hunt morels one of our chapters in worthington minnesota had this brilliant idea to plant wild asparagus seed on WMAs to get people on public lands in the springtime and experience them and see the habitat, right? You're oh, yeah. yeah. And that, that's more approachable than anything, right? Yep. Wild asparagus and grocery store asparagus. You tell me the difference. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're the same. And But being out there, you know, experiencing public land, hunting for asparagus as things green up in the springtime, 
What a great way to bring your family out and, you know, understand public lands a little right. bit more. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Only problem is there's no bag limit on it. <laughs> right. 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 It's like <laughs> one family can wipe them wipe. out. <laughs> uh, back, back to Cal's question real quickly on the, on the grouse. It, do you have any grouse in the area that they would – so you do a clear cut. You think that they would filter in, or how long will that take to get them there? There's some organization that has they, – they say – build it and they will come yeah um, well that was my because and, and that really is the case right? not 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 only with pheasants forever but the rough grouse society yep. as well we did in uh when i really took over the management of the the farm in in uh i remember being at going to the farm on 9 11 2001 when 9 11 mm -hmm. 11 happened and we were doing some patch clear cuts at that time some of it was aspen some of it was uh um there's some uh, red maple and just it, none of it was very good so yeah let's take that five acres out mm -hmm. and um, uh, some other brush work that some, in some lower areas and we took that out and man it was two three years later and it was like yeah that's <laughs> awesome. it's unreal isn't it oh yeah well I mean it's like well somebody's starting the old John yeah, Deere up again right. but um, Honda generator yeah, yeah. so the, the interesting thing about that was is how quickly yeah. you know that happened but how commonplace when I was, you know, in high school, hunting grouse was, mm -hmm. you know, was just a part of it. And for the, that, that it went away. Um, so we've done some of that work, mm -hmm. and I've seen the success. I've heard the success. And um, with those, I, I didn't hunt them at all. Mm -hmm. and, um, but it's also kind of showed me since, so that was 2000 or so, tw you know, 20 years. We did, we've done some shelterwood harvests um, since then. And... Um, I didn't hear nearly as much. Now, maybe some of it is sitting here on the table or my hearing aids. is a little harder for me to hear them. But I do need to go down and, yeah. and do a little bit more of that. But that's I'm ex really excited about working with the Rough Grouse Society people about it. I maybe have told this story on this podcast. Before. I know I've told it on KFAN, but it's a good story, so I'll mention it again. Anyways, I have a buddy in northeastern Minnesota up where we were hunting um, um, near the Boundary Waters. And you know, as in South Dakota, right, in Minnesota, and the roadside counts for, for pheasants. Yeah. Different for rough grouse. They do drumming counts to, to hear and get a count on them. Well, northeastern Minnesota, after 40 years, guy finally, like, I'm hanging him up, need to find a new person to count grouse drumming in the springtime. New person comes in and starts uh, doing the counts, and the numbers just go through the absolute <laughs> know what the deal was yeah. yeah the previous guy was totally deaf <laughs> <laughs> It turns out like there's more birds there than you could ever imagine. Fantastic. And they've been the Minnesota DNR is like, yeah, you know, we just had no idea for we like 20 yeah. years. We couldn't figure out why what's going on. And boy, people are <laughs> upset about it and bummed out about it. This is the dude. That's great. Uh, that's, there's probably it. a little mythology to that, but it's still a funny story. Oh, that's, yeah. that's a great yeah. story. That's a great story. The the other thing I was thinking about when you're talking about the clear cutting, you know, it might take a little while for the rough grouse to come back but uh one of the most underappreciated birds the timber noodle yeah, will yeah. be there yeah. you know al almost instantly yeah. uh, i just love those little things yeah. i do too they're, <laughs> they're a blast yeah. Yeah. that uh, was uh, one of the one of the the greatest birds that we got on our trip was mm -hmm. um dave and uh <laughs> scott Sorensen and lucas well I, I can't remember who was all we were driving dave's truck i think but uh it was past shooting light, 
we had given up for the day and we get a thump on the grill and right like it flashed in the headlights and right right before the thump i could just see that big (laughs) eye and this thing was a monster Mm -hmm. but that was our our first timber doodle of, of the trip was um uh it was part of the roadkill cafe i guess (laughs) (laughs) that's right because that was the first one and then the next day was me and you and scott and we were who else there was one um there's somebody else with us we were hunting like that real ridgy right because nasty country you normally find them in the low bog area and we were up on top of the ridge looking out over lake superior and had like rock outcroppings, uh, and it, yeah, it, it was kind of nasty. It, it was pretty nasty. Yeah, and you wouldn't think doodles would be able to poke their nose, that that beak into anything to get yeah. a grub. And huh. there were doodles all over. It's like a launching pad over Lake Superior. <laughs> we found, and they seem to be huge, like because <laughs> they're resident birds was the theory, I think. But they were bigger than the the freshly migrated birds that I like had encountered previously in Maine. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was cool. Really cool. Um, I ask you the same question. Um, uh, both sides of the the habitat conservation. What what causes you trepidation these days? You know, Doug mentions invasive species. Um, you know, talks about on the positive side working with you know forest um, management and rough grouse societies got them excited. What about you? I mean, you monitor this stuff constantly. Um, both sides of that coin for us. Yeah, it's just the uh, politicization, mm-hmm. um, the politicking around all of these terms that can be taken and and run with, right? So, like fire, right? Fire is so bad. Mm-hmm. Fire is the worst thing, and we can't have smoke in our skies. Um, fire is a hell of a management tool. And my God, does the wildlife respond to it, mm-hmm. right? But depending on um, the the county, the region, the state, the uh, governor, whoever, right? Like that that tool can be taken out of the toolbox. Mm-hmm. Um, conservation conservation easements the exact same way, and it's it's just so so polarizing right and I, I was talking to a group of senators in western montana a couple of weeks ago and and again like you know good people but you is is just every time you're in that situation you, you kind of relearn the fact that you can find that middle ground you can find understanding but you have to be able to take the time to you figure out what bob's words are for it mm-hmm. and then yeah say what you want to say through Bob's words, not your own words. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I may mentioned migration corridors and connectivity. And, you know, we had senators be like, well, I don't like that because you can't step in a migration corridor. Right. They'll take it away from us. We won't be able to go in there. Yep. You know, and you're like, oh, okay, where's this probably coming from? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and kind of back back up and say, okay, well, here's why I'm talking about migration corridors and connectivity um, and this was specific to grizzly bears, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, we need to prove that these isolated, in theory, populations of grizzly bears have the connectivity, the ability to exchange genes 
in order to say we have the long-term viability of the species in mind, mm-hmm. in order for the state of Montana to be able to manage that species as a big game animal, which means that we're going to be you know, constitutionally required to make sure that that animal stays healthy enough on the landscape to be huntable. And I want to hunt the damn thing. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to get to the point where I get to say I want to hunt the thing, and that's why I want to do this. Mm -hmm. But that's why you got to pay attention to the word connectivity and migration corridors, right? And it's like, well, I still don't like it. But uh, thanks, you know, type of thing. Well, it's it's that listen versus hearing, right? And then hearing and then understanding the other person's perspective and then taking the time to understand and then talk through that. Yeah. Right. It's a, you know, we can bag on uh, corner crossing. We did three corner crossing panels, mm-hmm. the huge, huge public access topic, but it, it's truly one of those things where it's like the best thing for all parties involved mm-hmm. hunters, landowners would be to not have any sort of big public discussions on this stuff because hunters don't want to show up to a corner to access a section or another section or another section and have 50 other hunters there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like hunters do not want that. Mm-hmm. Landowners do not want that either. Mm-hmm. There's a hell of a lot of bridge to build with that in mind. Yeah. Right. And we're dealing with uh, a system that is so old mm-hmm. that all, all sides agree that there's some not new regulations, but updated regulations right. that would certainly help. And the fears of, it's it's just it's in it's so unproductive to turn it into an us versus them conversation, right? Because it's not. There's so much overlap. Like, Doug, you are a landowner and a hunter, mm-hmm. right? Yep. It's like weird. How is that? <laughs> is, I mean, isn't I mean part of what I was here talking about was and and that you talk about so much is access. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same issue, mm-hmm. and we're coming at it from different. Uh, places in public land uh, and, and this issue out out west with corner crossings and all that and and i think you've said the same thing and i, I may i may have stolen this from you boy it just seems like a lot of these problems could be solved if people were just better neighbors mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and you know and, and thoughtful that way but access is such a big issue i mean i, I didn't want to start going down all the political stuff but um but then how are we able to to solve those um access issues and that's the kind of stuff that we're, we're working on cal's working works working in, mm-hmm. in different arenas but we're working with a organization like pf that's helping us work on mm-hmm. on those things um and getting to be a you know an older fella now and and uh really spending time trying to figure out uh positive words and conversations to have about those particular mm-hmm. issues so that we can and you can you can depoliticize a lot of this as a result of that let's you know let's think about where we can we can come together on these things and what are the what you know what are those so it's been that's yeah i'm I'm a big fan of the of the depoliticalization of it all yeah if you do simplify it uh here's another human being standing next to me they have a perspective here how do we talk through this and finesse mutual understanding (laughs) And it's so, it, does, it seems impossible in 2023 at some at some level. But Man, it's my a, goodness, it, it is it is doing the work of of trying to find that 
and breaking it down to those kinds of levels and and then it becomes very nuanced and, and very complicated and you just you can almost feel people retreating to corners again ah, let's not do that yeah. let's stay in here in the middle and talk about it and, and i saw as cal was talking about prescribed fire as an example matt's shaking his head heck yeah <laughs> that's yep. the bible right there and it, i mean prescribed fire is a management tool for grasslands forests I mean, you name the right. eco or the ecosystem. Yeah. Fire on the landscape is critical. It's it's what the Great Plains grew up on, I and mean, that's how it evolved to be what it was, and not a giant forest from coast to coast was fire. And that's what made it healthy, and that's what made the grouse survive out here. Mm-hmm. You know, sharp-tailed grouse and prairie chickens, and right. And it's it's a disturbance that comes along. Nobody wants something to sit forever. Mother Nature hates a void where it's just sitting there alone without anything going on it. Um, and fire is a good way to come in. The other one's livestock. Um, and you come in there and start it over again. And yeah. there's species that are made to come in right after that. That's We like to chase them, you know, the mm-hmm. upland birds, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And without a disturbance like fire, it just it's not going to happen. We're going to lose. It's going to become a forest. Then we get turkeys. Then we get deer. And then we get, you know, whatever else from there. Yeah. Um, I'll let you finish that that question. What's What gets you excited about what you're seeing on habitat and concert. It's, right, it's so easy to talk invasive species and um, political issues. There's some good things out there on the landscape, too, that, that are changing or that you're seeing trending. What, what gets you excited? Well, over the last, like, administration and a half, right, and, and, and before, too, but um, people's memories aren't that long. <laughs> There has been a very consistent middle ground of like, okay, if we're going to get something done, mm-hmm. it's going to be something around wildlife, habitat. Um, and these aren't like everybody gets what they want type of things, but it's that bipartisan mm. thing actually happening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, but at the end of the day, it's like you can have all this contentious stuff and then you can meet in the middle on like, well, mule deer are pretty cool, right? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Yeah. And like, what are we fighting about? Yeah, here, right? Right? Yeah. Clean water, clean air, said in the right terms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great, yeah. great way to meet in the middle. So um, I'm seeing some good stuff there. Uh, Department of the Interior. Um, BLM, U.S. Forest Service, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, um, you know, reaching out to a lot more partners outside of the the agencies themselves, and and really, in a way, and Matt definitely jump in here, kind of at least signaling that we're going to be open to a lot of collaboration because at the same time, because they're acknowledging how slow the agencies are to move on some things. Right. Um, so that is very positive. Um, I, I, and I, I like that. And I do think even some of the more staunch people on the, the, the far ends of the spectrum, the far lefts, the far rights, mm-hmm. um, are begrudgingly recognizing the fact that God, I've been in office a long time. I haven't done shit. <laughs> so this wildlife thing, it There's might be a good way to have right, my name on yeah. a bill for once mm-hmm. type of thing. So I, I think I think those are, are positives. Um, and, you know, 
there's a lot of marketing to be done, like mm. turning this, you know, no, not every easement is a burden to the county. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. They they stay on the tax records. Mm-hmm. They produce money. This is how it gets done. You know, the, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. The, the type of management tools that we need are all cattle bad. Right. There's there's plenty of folks out there who are like, well, if there's cattle on the landscape, that's something's wrong. Right. Right. And or that means it's it's private ground. Right, mm-hmm. um, and you know, just misconceptions out there. Right. Huge, yeah. huge mis- misconceptions, and 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 the farm bill is one of those things. Mm-hmm. Like the farm bill affects everybody, mm-hmm. but and, and I'm no different. People want their lives to be so simple mm-hmm. that when they hear farm bill, if they do not own a farm, they're like, "Well, it doesn't pertain to me." Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> like, thank God I get to just you know just forget about all that that's happening. Right. Right. Um, and then when they try to understand it, they're a wall of acronyms, right? A and wall it, of acronyms, absolutely. That's like, where I play. That's what I love. It, right? right. But, oh, no, it is. But it, yeah. it, 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 I remember my f- – well, so. Okay, to the point, the PFQF government affairs team yesterday mm-hmm. had a, a bet going between the, the three of them that – if you used an acronym on stage during during the the farm bill panel, right, you had to buy the other two a beer <laughs> because that, I mean that's how aware they are yeah. that it's like the acronyms are confusing, scary, like right. government talk. It's not accessible. Right. Yep. Right, and it's it's great to see, and everybody lost. Right. Yeah. right. Like, yeah. Well, I, I yep. tell a story like twenty years ago, six days before the very first pheasant fest, two thousand three. So six days. Before the very first one of these we ever did, and you and I started, yeah, basically the exact same the day, same day, right? Yeah. So January sixth, two thousand and three. This is the eighteenth pheasant fest, but right before the first one, we're just starting, and I had to sit down like a hotel deal like this one with our VP of Government Affairs, Dave Nompson, and I was the press release guy. He's like, "Okay, Bob." need you to write your first ever press release. We're signing an MOU with NRCS about CRP. <laughs> yep. I swear to God. Which it sounds like plain English and, to me. And I'm, yeah, I'm, right. I, I know yeah. exactly what he's talking about. I, but yeah. I do now, right? But I'm, I'm six days out of the baseball world. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I, RBIs, ERAs, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whip. <laughs> but I, it was like, I need you to write a um, press release about an MOU with NRCS about CRP. Like, you're talking a different language, yeah. dude. I got no idea what you're <laughs> talking about. Yeah. And it, it that was what baffled me coming in from baseball marketing, right, to nonprofit conservation world. And here I am working for an organization. There was a huge learning curve. And then you start thinking about hunters. That, you know, we all want to just go and escape all that stuff. Mm. It, but we can't. We have to be involved in MOUs with NRCS yes, about CRP if we're going to bag a buck or a limit of birds and yeah. tell wow. your senator and rep- represent, right? NRCS but it is, is like so the- damn complicated. <laughs> NRCS is like the scariest acronym. Too, because people are like NCI, like the, <laughs> like, you know, like black hats. Yeah, black hats, you know. Someone, di- CSI, somebody died. <laughs> oh, right, right? Yeah. exactly. I'm like, guilty of what? <laughs> it's like not, it, it's just like so, yeah. It, 
there's a lot of work to be done there. There just there really really is, um, and I don't think the answer for anybody is like just give your money to whatever group and walk away. Right. 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 Like that is not. It doesn't pushing work that the mission. Way. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's like that's great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. But can you at least tell me why? Yeah. Right. And then. Mm. I, I need you to be able to tell me why so you can turn around and tell somebody else why. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And it's like, th- that's a small, but very important step. And it's part of why, like, okay. Magazines, right. These were supposed to have died like two decades ago. Right. right. But yeah. these voice boxes of conservation groups, the printed publication is still valuable to be able to decipher, you know right. what MOU with NRCS about CRP is, or just signing up for the newsletters, following on social media. Sure. Yeah, you get a little taste of some bird dog content and some hunting content, and, but knowing what those acronyms are and why, when it's important. And, you do, you know, you do get involved with these organizations, and we try at our organization to be really selective about when we raise the flag for an action alert because – you know, it's just a cacophony mm-hmm. of people coming at you. With, you need to raise your voice here or there. I mean, it's nonstop. Yep. Yeah. So if you do sign up with our organization for that purpose, like, know when we do ask, right, Matt? Because yeah. we, we talk about this all the time. Is is this a legitimate threat? Or, right? Cause well, yeah, because what you're referring to is I always call you in a panic, like, Bob, we got to do this. And you're like, is it really a big deal or not? <laughs> right. Okay, Well, Bobby, I mean, right. just the way these – there's so many bills this this session alone, right, where it's like, oh, just so you know, mm-hmm. this is being talked about. Nobody's seen the language yet. Probably isn't going to happen. And it's like, oh, hey, that bill did come out. Nobody likes it. Probably isn't going to happen. Yep. Oh, that bill's in committee. It's been heavily amended. We need you to testify. Mm-hmm. Right? And you're like. I thought it was dead. Right. Yeah. You're yeah. like, what bill now? Yeah. Like the mm-hmm. thing that nobody liked and wasn't supposed to go anywhere? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And now it's a month later and can you be here Tuesday type right. of thing? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you you wear people out. You abs- Like the conservation fatigue, the issue fatigue, it's right. all very real. Um Doug works on a little something uh, called chronic wasting disease quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I was trying to avoid that subject. <laughs> but he, was asking, he was asking me what worries you, and I'm like, well. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. it worries me in a way that – but, yeah, there's another one, right, CWD, and then you say chronic wasting disease, and, well, what is it? It's a TSC, a transferable spongiform mm-hmm. encephalopathy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just go down. So yeah. one of the things that I've, I've – I learned a while ago working for with AFF, with the American Forest Foundation, on a Woodland Advocate program, was to talk in terms that the folks that you're talking to are going to pay attention to mm-hmm. or that right. they can understand. We actually quit saying forest when we were talking about forest management. We started talking about woods yeah. because landowners in my area didn't think they had forests. Mm-hmm. I got a woods, man. What, the, what are you talking right. about? Yeah. Robin Hood lives in a forest. <laughs> yeah. I live in the woods. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. yeah. Um, and uh, so having those conversations in, in a language that people are comfortable with uh, are really important. And, and that's with, to talk about CW, CWD a little mm-hmm. bit, that's Something that I've learned in the last 15 years of really being involved with CWD is to break it down in ways that people are willing to uh, 
to listen to one of the uh, the best ways of describing CWD to, to, to folks is it's the Dutch elm disease mm-hmm. of the white-tailed deer herd or the deer herd. And they're like, oh, well, I know what Dutch elm disease is, and I know what deer are. Mm-hmm. And so those things go together pretty well. Um, and then I don't talk about transferable spongiform encephalopathy, <laughs> although I like the way it rolls right, off their right, tongue. Right. Um, I try not to talk about, you know, those kinds of things. And this is, uh, and, and you talk about, you don't talk about epidemiology, you talk about transferring or, or, or how, how we get sick. Yeah. Just like how deer get sick, it's that sort of thing. It, right. See, you are a master transitioner because you did, took me right to another topic, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, CWD, and I think about birds and i think about avian influenza and two things that drive me crazy is states spending money to release birds propagation of roost of pheasants you know trying to make people happy with instant gratification Mm -hmm. right rather than spending money where it should be spent on habitat and it a, I'm worried about introducing avian influenza of pen-raised birds into the wild population. The other thing that drives me crazy is, yeah, we're, we're in a really tough winter, right? And people want to feed birds, and they, they put just corn piles in to pull birds together. And if they're There is a disease, let's give them a way to spread it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, my God, people, spend your money on habitat, yeah. period. Yeah. And the, you know, Mother Nature is going to take care of itself. From a person that's studied up on CWD, I know you're not, you know, an avian influenza, but some of those fears strike a chord with you? Absolutely. The, and and for, the, for the same reasons that you just talked about, the people that I listen to the most about this at the USGS Wildlife Health Center, um, they're working on two things right now. I mean, they're working on a number of things, but two of the big ones are CWD and avian flu because of the similar, because of the possibility of, of decimating in, in, in the, the resource in both of those cases, but the similarities mm-hmm. of them. And it's simple, and a lot of it is simple enough. Don't have the animal or the bird congregated in a particular area. Especially in an artificial <laughs> way. <laughs> well, right. right. Yeah. yeah, drives me crazy. Right, Matt? Totally. I agree 1,000. That was a short trip. <laughs> All right. I know you guys got to get going. Um, and I don't – I'm just curious. You guys come to Pheasant Fest of your own free will. <laughs> you know, we, we invite you. We love having you here. But you say yes. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, you know, what attracts you to this show? Why, why it's – Doug, you've been coming. It's a number of years now. You, uh, Schomburg – uh, Omaha, here. Sioux Falls was the first one. The okay. first one that, Steve, uh, that Ranella spoke at. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, it's funny. I, I'm trying to remember the last time I went pheasant hunting. And uh, I don't tend to pheasant hunt much in Wisconsin. Hmm. And I don't disparage anybody, brothers and sisters. But, <laughs> um, but most of the pheasant hunting in Wisconsin on public land is put and take pheasant. Hmm. Um, and I just, it's just not something that I've, that I've gotten that much involved with. But um, the people that I met through farm bill biologists in my area, which is the Driftless area, which is not a pheasant area, mm-hmm. and that's really how I got involved with, with Pheasants Forever and Pheasant Fest. Um, our old friend Aaron Holmes, yeah. uh, you know, being, one, being the first. And those are the people I continue to work wi- with, um, the farm bill biologists in our area doing habitat work 
Pheasants Forever is the Habitat organization, and why wouldn't I? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's it, as a landowner, it's it's my favorite organization. It really is. That's why I keep coming That's back. That's awesome. And Matt and you, yeah. <laughs> and it's just fun. You know, it's just a, it's, this is a great event. It's a really fun event. Before we get to a close, tell us about sharing the land. Oh, thanks. So uh, this is what I came and spoke about uh, here at Pheasant Fest on the landowner habitat stage. So sharing the land, we have some great uh, private land access programs, so walk-in programs and uh, voluntary public access programs. And uh, I know we're working to, uh, and I'm supportive of this, of getting more VPA money into the farm bill, mm -hmm. the, the next farm bill. VPA uh, money. Oh, my God, I just did yeah. it, didn't I? Hey, I everybody, owe you a beer. Everybody have a beer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, voluntary public access money mm -hmm. in the in, you know in the farm bill. Um, great programs, mm -hmm. great ideas, but it it doesn't fit for every landowner. Mm -hmm. um, in our area, parcels are real small, so um, this is what I hear, and I've actually been called into a couple of these things, where um, there's 40 or 80 acres of VPA uh, voluntary public access <laughs> land, and the neighbors around them are like. Bad neighbors. I was like, "How so?" Well, every day I got a new neighbor, and then when when it's, we're talking about forty or eighty acres surrounding or that is surrounded by a bunch of other private land, and every do they every day they do have a, a you know a new neighbor, and it only takes one person accessing that land to, who's going right. to disrespect the property line or something like that, or throw garbage, or throw garbage, yeah. you know, and all of that kind of stuff that ends. I up think that's so under, uh, like how much just trash at a public spot yeah. tees people off. But that's the kind of thing that that um, you know, like BHA are doing their their days, mm -hmm. getting out there and doing that, doing helping with the cleanup and that kind of stuff, and just the attitude that that so many organizations try to put out there of pick it up. Yep, right you know, so yeah, we're clean, you know we're cleaning up after other people too, and then changing that mentality. It's not okay to do that, and right. let's try to change that mentality. Yeah. Anyway, so sharing the land, there are landowners, and I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. um, there are landowners who are not willing to open their land up through a voluntary public access program. Um, yet I had, um, and so I control the access to my property. So it's controlled public access, and that's really the basic idea mm -hmm. between behind sharing the land. I uh, had a handful of landowners sign up this this weekend, and, and they said similar things. I just I'm not comfortable with unrestricted access, but I want people on my property. Right. And so sharing land um, puts landowners and access seekers together in a meaningful way, in a cooperative, conversational, and community kind of way. And if the, the person that's looking for access can help do some habitat work. That's exactly and it, right. And I'll be honest, you know, it, it, you hear that and you think, oh, I had to go work on that property to get access. It's actually can be pretty damn fun. Oh. It, it doesn't sound like it necessarily. Well, plus it's a scouting yeah. day. Plus right. it right. is a scouting day. And plus you are out there contributing to the habitat of the species that you're going mm -hmm. to hunt. Right. I will tell you this. You would think that, right, that mm -hmm. there's going to be a certain amount. When I talk to my sharing the land cooperators on my property and some other properties, like, what's your favorite thing about it? Is it the access? Just tell me about yeah. it. Almost every one of them will say, you know, one of my favorite things, of course, everybody likes the hunting part yeah, of it and all yeah. that, are the days that we go there and we do stuff. <laughs> I know. It, yeah. it, it's because it's remarkable. cooperative, it's community, it's, yeah. you know, it's all of those sort of things, and it's the camaraderie. I mean, mm -hmm. I grew up in the, 
in the era of the deer camp. Mm-hmm. And we really have that. Cal was out and deer hunted with me, and we definitely had a deer camp thing going on then. And uh, – and that that has become a big part of our um, of, of our program as well yeah, as yeah. the community well, and part I think of it. Doing that work and going out and investing in the habitat—it's a lot of work. I mean, I have some land. It's a lot of work doing the habitat to get the populations there. But I tell you what, those pheasants, those deer that you harvest after doing that work mm. taste a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and just knowing how it came right and, and it didn't just happen. Yeah. So having the hunters come out and do that work, I think it helps their experience too, and mm-hmm. appreciating it more by seeing the work behind it. Because that habitat doesn't just happen. I mean, you're out there all summer long cutting trees or mowing grass or something. Website. Uh, SharingTheLand.com. SharingTheLand.com. Yep. And you're up all over Instagram, Facebook. Well, I'm on there, yeah. I yeah. got a little bit on, on Facebook. Yeah, Doug Duran, uh, at Doug Duran on Instagram and at SharingTheLand. Cool. And, uh, yeah, contact us through there. Pheasant Fest, Quail Classic. Ryan, two in a row. Yes. Do you have your punch card with you? Uh, oh, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, I missed out on all the uh, additional tags here. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Um, so, yeah, what I – there's a couple of things I tell everybody about Pheasant Fest, mm. and it's it, it's the things that I like about it the most. So there's there's actual progress being made in this room you guys have struck a balance that so i think one of the the biggest things is there's a bunch of like young fired up people who are just out of school ready to work on the farm bill and kick ass Mm -hmm. like you don't find that anywhere else hmm that's Our a farm bill biologist army, right? Like yeah. three. It, it, here, so we got like three hundred farm bill biologists in this stat that you maybe don't know. We have the second most biologists employed by our organization of any company or organization in the country, next to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Okay. Number two employer of biologists in the entire country. So I didn't mean to stop oh, on it. It's amazing, but that's that that there's energy there. Oh yeah, and it's it is. Awesome. So you have a bunch of well-informed people at this show that can answer questions said in passing. You know, mm. um, you know, there's a lot of folks standing in line drinking beer, <laughs> and they're talking about this stuff. And there's people right there that can be like, oh, yeah, well, what you need to do is, and who you need to talk to, and how you need to sign up, and I can help you with that come by tomorrow – um, I love all that. I love the mix of, um, you know, the federal agency people mm. that, that make a point of showing up as well. So you can get those points where the rubber meets the road. And, and one of my all time favorite things is that farm bill panel mm. or last year's like the grasslands act panel where you have end users, farmers, ranchers in the room mm-hmm. and they sit patiently they listen to everybody's spiel on stage and then they get to ask questions directly to those people mm-hmm. is absolutely invaluable hmm. I, and I, I love that and yeah this is a major fundraising mechanism as well yep but there's a balance here that that nobody else has done as well hmm um, I think like the BHA rendezvous does a really good job of firing people up. Yep. They um, have gotten some really good political response in the past, but 
connecting the the user group to the agencies is something that that we need to work on and and we will for sure but that place for enthusiasm this place for enthusiasm of people who want to go forward and do things for other people Hmm. is not matched anywhere else there's more conversations here about things that are going to be done that are going to benefit other people than any other group I've been to. Now, um, Wild Sheep Foundation, Mule Deer Foundation, they're doing incredible work. But at their annual gatherings, there is such a division between the, the policy, the conservation side, and the party and the sales and everything that literally there's huge groups of people there that are there every single year spending big time cash Mm -hmm. and they have no clue what's going on what's going on Hmm. no clue what's going on and so the pheasant fest ability to put that stuff front and center um all the panels i mean i'll be honest i'm not i love going to panels and and uh, doing it, <laughs> and it, I get to make it part of my job. It's great, mm-hmm. and I love the information. I'm not lining up on a weekend to go sit at a panel. Right. And, and Or sit at a banquet in the evening. No. Yeah. You know, it's like I, I got to get my weekend in, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's unbelievable to see that here. And, and walking around and seeing the different stages, how many people were spending time to go and sit down and, and listen to the topics and they had it planned out you know mm-hmm. it's like well i couldn't come to this one uh mm-hmm. yesterday because there was this other panel going on and this one was three times and this one was only once and you know and it's 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 a very unique thing it's a very it's not every single person who walks through the door obviously there's sure. still plenty of uh beer being drunk and stuff being bought and right good times yeah. being had but that educational aspect's awesome and that's the thing that's like gonna carry things forward, right? And it's like you can sign me up for next year too, because awesome. like I I want to be a part of it again. And and you know I learned stuff from last year that I brought here this year, and I learned stuff this year that I want to improve on next year too. So you know it's you're you're providing a service, you're taking money at the door, but you're providing a service once they're in. And I I love that transaction that relationship that's happening so it's something that i'm particularly proud of as an employee and i think about you know and we have to give dugan credit here for this right so joe conceived the idea of pheasant fest and you you know joe dugan right (laughs) right and um back in i don't know what year he first thought of it but the first one was 2003 and one of the very early pieces of the philosophy was different than some of the other organizations and I'm not disparaging any of the other organizations that it's major fundraisers for them right and they you put it in Nashville Tennessee and people want to go to Nashville Tennessee fun as hell good music great nightlife great food and it's a destination to invigorate people right get them charged up but Joe's idea was a little bit different right let's move this concept around the country and when you have Pheasant Fest in Sioux Falls in February or Omaha in March, right? There's no other reason that the Omaha World Herald or here in Minneapolis Star Tribune would write article, let alone four articles for the weekend about 
new hunter, Kang Yang, a new Hmong, yeah. um, and, you know, person that's talking about conservation at Pheasants Forever and being involved in story in the Minneapolis Star Tribune on Friday. Then story about our habitat mission over 40 years last Sunday. Today there's two articles, one about the bird dog parade and how bird dogs are getting people involved. There'd be none of those stories February in the Star Tribune if Pheasant Fest wasn't here being able to create a platform to talk about hunting, conservation, habitat, new people involved. This event moving around the country, next year we're in Sioux Falls, we get to talk about what's happening in South Dakota, right? Mm -hmm. How important it is to the economy, how important pheasant hunting is to the fabric of the culture, that families come together on pheasant opener in South Dakota like it was Christmas. Yeah. And how that's more than putting a bird in the bag or selling a hunting license, what that means to habitat on the landscape, clean water, family togetherness, right? You go to Omaha, and so, so that, that philosophical approach to moving this celebration around the country, yeah, it's a fundraiser. It's the biggest fundraising event we have. But three days on the show floor, we're going to talk to landowners that represent 10,000 acres of conservation programs in the landowner help room, which yep. Matt coordinates, right? About conservation programs, CRP, Conservation Reserve, Reserve program, program, right? Minnesota programs, uh, legacy amendment dollars um, that you can leave a lasting impact. On the public land stage, we're raising money for the Build a Wildlife Area, which when we raise a dollar, particularly in Minnesota where the legacy amendment is, we can multiply it sometimes up by as much as 40 times. Hmm. So we raise an independent dollar for an individual or a company. We match that with federal or state grants and go out and buy land. We bought over 200,000 acres of land that are now open to everybody as WMAs or WPAs. And, and they're not just good for pheasants right, or quail. Ducks, honeybees, monarch butterflies. So think about that. A three-day sports show in Minneapolis or Madison is going to result in thousands of acres of improved habitat and or public access for all of us. A three-day sports show. So to your point, right, about those farm bill biologists out on the show floor where we're raising money, it, it is something that we talk about internally is like, there's magic here. If we just want to raise money, we'd play a home game in Minneapolis every darn year, right? We're based here. We have many corporate partners here, federal, right? Many, many partners here to raise money, but it's bigger than that. It's like, how do we move this around? How do we get it to quail country, right? How do we generate this kind of excitement? So that's really cool that you sort of feel that difference in that event, and that was Joe's master you yeah. know, stroke yep. of, uh, you know, a little bit different approach. Well, you bounce, bounce around from party to party to party to party, right? Mm-hmm. That gets pretty freaking boring, man. <laughs> so it's <laughs> like right. you want to return for your time as well. Right. And it's, it's like the older you get, the fewer people you hunt with, right? Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like. I, That's true. If I'm going to spend my time there, something good better be happening. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, Matt, 
I haven't hardly let you talk other than your bird dogs, David. <laughs> uh, closing thought. What you know, you've listened. You know these guys well. You've been to Pheasant Fest as long as I have. Uh, put a bow on this for me. Oh jeepers, that's a tall task. With now I know you're capable. You yeah, delivered so hot lunch in the last hot lunch and OGs of winter survival. Yeah, you you always have the whiz bang uh, right delivery to close out the episode. So I'm counting on you. No, it's uh, I'm just excited coming out of these weekends. You're drained. You're just mm-hmm. whack. You just you want to go home and just shut down for a week. But this one's been different this year. I'm coming out of it excited, ready to go. There's been so much talk. I've been here since Wednesday. We met with agency partners talking about the Infl- In- Inflation Reduction Act. I just bought an acronym out, and I mm-hmm. stopped myself. You know, <laughs> and we have a brand-new Conservation Reserve program brand announced new conservation two days ago. So sign up. There's all kinds of stuff going on in the habitat world, all kinds of money that, you know, drop the politics out of it, but that IRA funding, that's once in generational. They're talking billions of dollars going into private land to do habitat work. I mean... We're talking about carbon credits and that kind of carbon storage, but it's really habitat. Um, that kind of stuff fires me up, mm-hmm. and I'm just really excited about what's going to be coming down the pike. You know, it's great to hang out with friends, Ryan and Doug. You know, Pheasant Fest, that's where you can go meet people. This you is really why I come. Yeah. yeah. this guy. Coming and hanging out well, and just meeting friends and doing it fun things. It is friendships. Yep. Oh, yeah. it really yep. is. Yep. There's, it's, it's just a great place to be all the time, and, yeah, I look forward to next year already. Yeah. Um, I know folks are wondering, we have brand new president and CEO, Marilyn Vetter. By the time you hear this, uh, I'll have a new boss. <laughs> Howard will have officially, uh, well, not technically officially retired. He doesn't officially retire till the end of June, but Marilyn takes over on Tuesday following Fez yeah. Fest. Um, I, I would run through a wall for Howard. I love the guy to death. Um, and I'm equally ex- excited about Marilyn. I've had the opportunity the last 18 days to to work with her. She's been part of the organization on the board of directors for since 2015. Yep. And um, a short hair person. <laughs> her and her husband Clyde own a short hair kennel, and I I know that our volunteers and members will be thrilled. Can we get her to get a new tattoo like Howard's? Uh, I don't think there's any chance. Yeah, I, I got the impression last night that that was not a bet yeah, she was going to yeah, be Yeah, but, you know, Howard 10 years ago would have said no way to you. I think <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> but, well, well, we'll find out. Um, I'm teasing because we will have Marilyn on um, as she gets up and running in her new job. We'll have her on the show um, talk about her vision for where this organization goes, um, I tell you what, it's going to be first and foremost Habitat, um, which will be music to the ears of all of our members out there. Not No surprise, we're the Habitat organization. Right. <laughs> we're going to talk grasslands. We're going to talk about oak savannas, savannas for bobboy quail, sage uh, sagebrush for sage grouse. Uh, we're the upland organization, and that's not going to change. But we'll get her on here shortly. We're going to let you guys um, – Get back to the show, or back, to, or to the airport, or wherever it is you're you're going. I sincerely, both of you, uh, Cal and and Doug, and Matt, and me. <laughs> um, thank you very much for for not only taking the time to do this podcast, but you know, taking the time out of your busy, busy schedules to to join us for th- three days on a uh, trade show floor. It does mean a lot to the, our team, our employee team, but then also to all these volunteers and members. Um, 
and you're both so incredibly gracious with everybody. You take time and smile and shake hands and talk about snort and talk about sharing the land and uh, morel mushrooms. It means a lot. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. And Dave, we know you're listening to this one. Thank, <laughs> thanks for li- uh, allowing us to use uh, uh, on the highway. One of the best new t- new songs. I'll be uh, honest. Um, you know, my favorite song is uh, "Desert." Now I'm going to blank on the exact title. Um, ah, it's "Desert," "Burlesque Desert Window." Um, favorite song in the new album. Uh, but "On the Highway" was the absolute perfect fit to open up the episode. So, thanks, Dave, for letting us use the song. I'm Bob St. Pierre, reminding you to always follow the dog. Something good will rise. Thanks, folks. Hey.